up, and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows sex workers are workers and the revolution cannot occur without their inclusion. Today we have Zoe, Laura, and Kellen. Yay! Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to our Elections 2020 series. Um, today we're going to be talking about sex work and how we can strategize for sex worker rights in the coming elections. As always, we remain skeptical of electoral politics, um, as Laura put it in another recent episode. Um, electoral politics are playing the game of the capitalist, but since the election is happening, whether or not we <laughs> want it to, and to be clear, we don't. <laughs> It's important to talk about what this means for us as socialist feminists. We understand if you're tired of hearing about the elections, we are too, but you probably aren't tired of hearing about it from a sex worker perspective since sex sex workers aren't brought into the conversation often enough. Yes. Uh, Joining us today, we have a special guest. Welcome, Michaela. Welcome. Hello. Yay. Uh, Michaela, do you want to start off by introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm Michaela. I'm from the San Antonio DSA chapter. I'm the current co-chair and I also run the Sex Workers Outreach Project of San Antonio and work with Planned Parenthood, Texas Votes and Urge and um, work on abortion access funds. Cool. Yep. That's a freaking lot right there. Like, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's so much. Yeah, that's like, so a co-chair of a DSA chapter um, a badass organizer. <laughs> wait, what? Like, I feel like you said all that so fast that I'm just like, wait, you just said a million things and they're all amazing. There's so many things. It's my brain doesn't work half the time. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Yes, of course. I love y'all's brains. Oh my God. Aww. Thank Aww. you so much. <laughs> 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 I love that for us. <laughs> <laughs> so part of why we're doing the series leading up to the elections is because we have some varying views on electoral politics um, amongst the coven and amongst socialist feminists in general. So we want to explore what these elections mean from different angles. So I thought it'd be good to start off by asking what your relationship is with electoral politics, uh, considering all of the organizing work that you do. Um, my relationship with electoral politics is bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's so negative, um, and it's yeah. been shaped that way forever, um, at least regarding sex workers and just, you know, women in general, women of color, a people of color. And so, um, yeah, I hate electoral politics rather than they're like local um, elected officials or, you know, governments, all that jazz. I hate them all. There's there's literally no good ones at this point. I've been working with the DA's office here at a human trafficking coalition. Um, and even then it feels like my voice is muted in uh, electoral politics because I am who I am. I'm a sex worker. I've been a sex worker for years. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like we have to continue building our own table every single time we want to talk about something. And it, it shouldn't be that way. We should already have a seat at these tables, but they hate us and they're completely fine with letting us know that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of evident by all of the hesitancy that so-called leftist politicians have around this issue. Um, can you describe a little bit more about what that experience has been like organizing in those spaces, maybe like, especially in Texas? Um, yeah, so, uh, working as like a dancer, which I've been doing for the past couple of years, um, we, I try to give my input when it comes to ordinances and zoning laws surrounding clubs, um, strip clubs and whatnot. But, um, our input isn't isn't welcome in those spaces. A lot of that input is mostly by men, uh, white men here, because they don't care that what they're doing is impacting us. If whether it's impacting us negatively, it's, you know, killed some girls at so many clubs. Um, And so it's just stressful all the time because you have to protect yourself and protect other uh, sex workers in the community. And 
it's it's exhausting <laughs> because not only are you working for yourself, you know, you're working to protect everybody around you as well. Um, so that's what that's what I do um, in my community, at least, is do what I can to help because there's a lot of low income sex workers here, uh, me, and so. Um, I, I know what it's like to be them and to be inexperienced in um, situations that I've been in before and to, you know, being a baby stripper, that's, it's a terrifying thing, but nobody's going to help you. You have to learn it all on your own. So I'm trying to break down that barrier. That's just like, I care about my money and that's it. That's how a lot of it is, yeah. but I, I don't just care about my money. My money is everybody's money. That's the socialist way. Yeah. So but it's just, it's what it is here at least. Yeah. It's been really, um, incredible that since we've started this podcast, we've been able to talk to a, a bunch of different sex workers on like a bunch of different ends of the spectrum. And particularly when we sp- spoke with, um, oh my God, the authors <laughs> help me. <laughs> Zoe and Kevin. Oh, uh, <laughs> Juno, with, with Juno Mack and Molly Smith. Yes. Juno Mack and Molly prostitutes. Smith. Prostitutes. Yes. Revolting prostitutes. Thank you. I was like, uh, and my yes. brain is broken. Um, yeah, they talk a lot about how, you know, they don't, they're, they're very explicit in their book that they don't glorify what sex work is, but at the same time, like that it can be this solidarity building thing, particularly among other sex workers. So it's really cool to hear you talk about it in that way. Yeah. And it, it is really like beautiful to like hang out with all these you know, strong, empowered, business-driven women at the club sometimes. Like, it is, I mean, it can be such a catty and messy place to be. But also, like, what workplace isn't, you know? It it doesn't have to have that uh, negative stigma of, like, cattiness and just women can't work together, that type of thing that, you know, people do throw into um, the stigma surrounding uh, strip clubs, you know? Mm -hmm. So... It, it is really nice to like work with all these beautiful women and I love them all and would die for most of them if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so all of that being said, you know, it is exhausting. It is this thing that is like uh, both emotionally taxing and I'm sure physically taxing on you. But mm-hmm. why is the sex worker perspective important for this election season? Um, because it's, it's, always sex work has always been a political issue but now it's starting to become um you know if it's woke on twitter then it's gonna be an actual political issue finally and so um when the fosta and sesta legislation got passed and everything that was like a huge thing that's when sex workers were finally like oh we're like really being put in danger now like this is this is real and so I think it's like finally becoming a political issue because sex workers made it a political issue. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty like we're, we're driving this bus of, you know, leftist sex workers trying to organize for ourselves and for our survival. That's what's going on here, at least. Well, I mean, and it's, it's, you know, one of the, things that I think the most recent organizing of sex workers has done has really like hammered home the the idea that everyone knows a sex worker like someone you know is a sex worker and I think that if we are to play the capitalist game of electoral politics it's a smart political move to engage with sex workers who are organizing Um, and I think that that's part of it as well Um, but it seems that these fucking 2020 chumps are like <laughs> not ready to fucking saddle up and have that conversation though. Oh no, none of them are unless they're doing it for a popularity thing. Um, and I've seen so many of them do it like Kamala Harris, cop Harris. She's, <laughs> she's incarcerated so many sex workers. That was literally her job back in the day. And now she's saying like, we should decriminalize sex work, but we should arrest people who purchase um, services from sex workers and pimps and stuff. And I was like, that's still adding stigma to sex work. That is not helping us. That is literally, it's doing the same thing that, and she was one of the driving forces behind FOSTA and SESTA. So she can choke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You hear this Kamala Harris? (laughs) If you're listening, 
If you're listening, I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. It truly do. And it was, you know, the whole Bernie Sanders thing. When I was 16, I thought Bernie Sanders was the shit, you know? I thought he was the coolest guy in the game. And then when I, you know, he's, he's done. His immigration stuff is just bad, for one. And then when I heard about um, him voting to pass the FOSS and SESA legislation, I was like, man, he's still an old white dude. I know Zoe wanted to get into that. I was going to say, perfect. That's exactly what I was going to talk to you next. Uh, Talk about next. (laughs) So um, addressing the elephant in the room, the elephant being Bernie Sanders. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've definitely gotten into a lot of arguments about Bernie Sanders, um, especially with men on the left, but with all different people on the left. Uh, And I feel like there's kind of these two main, like, counter arguments that I get when bringing up his vote for SESTA-FOSTA. And one being people saying like, oh, it's a stock argument. It's just like a reason people use to like not like him, which is fucking dumb. It's a very legitimate reason to it's not support good him. fucking reason. <laughs> not to like great reason. And then the other is just people being like, no, their candidate's going to support like decrim or sex works either. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't like any of them. <laughs> Although I would like to point out that <laughs> friend of the pod, my internet grandpa, Mike Gravel and or perhaps the teens who are wearing <laughs> skin as a suit online mm. has come out in favor of decrim and has also, or again, maybe the teens have also explicitly tweeted the phrase sex work is work. Just a quick shout out to Mike Gravel, my internet grandpa yes. and or the teens living inside him and controlling him. Like go off king. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly why Mike (laughs) Bell has the coveted spot of an appearance on our podcast. But in terms of uh, those arguments, uh, I just, I mean, just thinking about it in terms of, like, the people saying these obviously are privileged enough to not have to think about this being a legitimate reason to not support a candidate, being like, yeah, but he's good on, like, these other things, um, and, like, the issue of sex work being something that can so easily be dismissed by everyone and including by a lot of leftists. So I want to ask like how, I assume you've heard similar arguments oh, yeah. and if you have, how do you respond to those? Like, how do you engage in that sort of conversation if you do? We're all DSA peeps. So we all know yeah. we've heard it a thousand fucking times. So um, at the exactly. regional, at the regional, regional conference in March, we had an hour and a half debate about endorsing Bernie Sanders. And they didn't let me speak about anything I had wanted to. Um, so that was it was it was extremely offensive because they um, not to bash DSA, but here's my bashing of DSA sometimes. I'm so um, here for it. <laughs> on this topic, I, we can definitely bash DSA. I have plenty. <laughs> Go off. It is such um, because when you think about sex work, it does include all these marginalized communities, like, you know, um, the LGBTQIA community, uh, people of color, it includes all of these communities and prisons. This is, there's so many of us who are in prison. So when we aren't letting sex workers speak into these uh, situations, it silences all these marginalized communities as well, who feel like they do not have a spot in DSA. and it sucks because I didn't feel like I had a spot in DSA. I still have to constantly feel like I am proving myself that I deserve to be here. And it shouldn't be like that because I see all these white men who just think that they deserve to be here and they haven't done shit in organizing ever. And yeah. they, they just think that yeah. they have a spot because they exist. And yeah. I like I have to work like six times as hard just to talk at a meeting or something. Right. Right. When you're also someone who's more affected by it, but somehow their opinions matter more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah well, I gross. think I think it's like a general problem too um, within DSA oh, yeah. of like everyone is trying to outwoke one another, but what they hold up higher than anything else is still institutional knowledge. Is like marxism and that sort of stuff and i think that this is like a large blemish on dsa as a whole because when we continue to belittle people because of wherever they're at on their leftist journey and it's a different thing like criticizing a white straight man 
like who is like not taking sex work seriously rather than like uh someone criticizing someone who maybe hasn't like read marks or some shit like those are different fucking things and dsa has a a problem with like holding one um as being more important than the other yeah, I think what a lot of people in DSA need to realize is you could still be woke and leftist, but you can still be whorephobic. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. They think that, you know, supporting sex work on Twitter and liking tweets and retweeting stuff about sex work from other people is, that's their form of activism regarding sex work, period. It doesn't go any farther than that. And I've had to deal with a lot of that. I hate to say that I've had to deal with a lot of that in my chapter, but like, I have. Right. So, um, and I definitely had to deal with that at the regional conference. Like, no one's going to take us seriously, or me, because of the way that I'm, I'm a party girl. Like, I, you know, enjoy my body. I'm an openly sexual human being because that is my job and that's what I'm allowed to do. Well, and, and so, it's also like being a party girl doesn't make you not intelligent, doesn't make you not able mm-hmm. to like have these things. And like the fact that men can be party boys also like it is it is a gendered thing when you think about it, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like to, for for a lot of people seeing me like, you know, going to work and dancing naked and getting like drunk and fucked up. It for them, it like completely invalidates what I've contributed to activism in my community. Um, And it's extremely disappointing to see that because it just, it keeps happening. And not just in my chapter, it happens, you know, everywhere else, freaking Las Vegas. And so Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's really stressful. And um, when the Bernie um, stuff came up, I was talking to men in my chapter, like we, I voted to know, like, no, we don't endorse him. Um, because what's it going to do for us? You know, it's it's offensive to me as a sex worker directly. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they understood that, but they didn't think it was important enough. They're like, well, this is the only opportunity we're going to get. And I was like, what, what about do they mean by that? What does that even mean? They think that that was the closest, like, socialist person we're going to get in office. Like, mm. this is the only vessel to get socialism in the office. You can't vote socialism into happening, people. (laughs) But I hear what you're saying. (laughs) You think we know that by now. And I'm I'm new to, I'm like fairly new to organizing, but like I still have to explain to like 40-year-old men that there is no point and just voting isn't going to do shit (laughs) Like, right. I mean, it will have material gains, right? Like that's the way we can talk about it. It's like voting someone to office does have material differences for working class people. However, the revolution isn't going to come through the ballot. It just is not. And we can't like describe it as such. Exactly. And by them just defending over and over, like when I was just like, hey, y'all personally voting for Bernie uh, to endorse Bernie was extremely offensive to me personally. They they dismissed it. They were just like, oh, well, this is as close as we're going to get. You know, like, he still wants to do good things, like, all this stuff. And I was like, that's cool. Like, you can still have really good intentions, but, you know, there are faults that I can't overlook. Right. Because it is my life that is in danger. It is my, like, my other sex worker friends, it is their lives that are in danger. And I not, I'm not risking it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that fucking sucks. Because <laughs> they don't get it. It's, it's never going to be something that they have to worry about. Right. White men don't actually have to worry about that much. That's the thing. No, they don't have <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hate them all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh God! We should come back for an episode we might do on misandry. <laughs> it's, oh, I'm planning an episode on misandry. It um, my personal life is based on misandry. So. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, it's not surprising, and this does. Re- it reminds me a lot of the conversations that we've had, um, particularly in the context of talking about um, revolting prostitutes uh, with with the the authors of that book. Um, the fact that like. The, the it's central to um you know marxist thought that the working class is 
oppressed by the capitalist class. That's what's supposed to unite us. And like white dudes in working class jobs are oppressed in different ways than than people who work in sex work, obviously. But the people who are so committed to this idea that like the working class I mean, as they should be, that the working class is like what will bring us socialism are at the same time so often so resistant to the idea of seeing sex workers as equal members of the working class um, exploited like they are exploited on top of the ways that they are. Um, But even just even just seeing them, even seeing sex workers as members of the working class seems to be really, really difficult for people um, who otherwise, you know, identify as being very, um, very absorbed in the class struggle. Yeah, and it's it's rough because, like, um, my chapter at least has voted to endorse the Sex Workers Outreach Project of San Antonio. And they've been, you know, really supportive of me uh, running this project since last year, before I was even in DSA. And so I was, I got really lucky Um, but I still do feel like I have to prove myself in that space and just for them to see me as an equal, that's, it's literally the baseline and it it should be, they, they already respect me, all that jazz, but you know, it feels like they don't, um, a lot of the time and it's, it's in any organizing space that we do have to work to prove that we do belong there. We should have a voice here, all that stuff. And it's really tiring because we have to repeat ourselves constantly. And um, like we are members of the working class. We've been members of the working class. <laughs> like we, yeah, we've been there for, for a hot minute. So it's just, we would like to be recognized as it because like in um, when we have in DSA labor working groups, you don't see sex workers in those groups at all because they are run by men who are just like yeah construction electricians plumbers all that (laughs) right like (laughs) oh laughing because you're too right but also like i love your like bro voice that you went into yeah i felt like i was on jersey shore plumber I'm on Jersey Shore, y'all, but <laughs> it's, it's so stressful because, like, we have to be involved in our labor groups. We have to, and we can't because there's just no, simply no room for us unless we make it ourselves. Yeah. But, you know, it's really hard to do that when you don't feel like you're welcome in that community. So, life blows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think what Kellen was saying and what you're saying have a lot to do with like the respectability politics, which we've seen for as long as the labor movement has existed and for as long as the feminist movement have existed. Like they've both, they both have a history of leaving out sex workers because it's like, you want your movement to, you know, look respectable and like, look, we're so normal. We deserve rights. And it's just bullshit. Exactly. Like I'm a, I'm a really loud socialist whore. And that's what I'm going to be known for for the rest of my life, hopefully. That's what I'm known for in my family, in my community. And so I deserve respect. I shouldn't have to demand it. It should just already come to me. Um, But it doesn't because people are just so like, they want their movement to look so pretty on the outside. They want to make it look, because, you know, if you have a bunch of like radical groups, whatever, it doesn't look welcoming people get scared people feel pushed back pushed away from that um whole group so if they see a loud feminist socialist whore on the outside representing that group they're going to be terrified and it's because you know we're so worried about getting more people to join us and joining our movements and stuff that we don't care who we're pushing away which is crazy too i would much rather go to a meeting that was like full of sex workers and people of color than go to a room of like white dudes talking about Marx. Oh God. Like who prefers that meeting? <laughs> yeah. I'd rather jump in front of a train and listen to a bunch of white dudes talk about Marx. <laughs> literally scream. But that's what literally, that's what happens. Like at our last meeting, what we had maybe 10 women, maybe 
and yeah. that was about it. Uh, shout out to the uh, the people doing the the work of making DSA more friendly to uh, people who aren't white men. Um, we see you. We appreciate you. It's a yeah. losing battle sometimes. Doing the work. Um, but it labor and the like labor working groups and stuff too. Um, I know there are people in the chapters that I've been a part of who are making like really active efforts to try to get um, people who are not men involved. I know it's difficult, um, but even those those efforts um, are often not at the point of like bringing in sex workers. No, God, yeah. no. And I feel like just speaking from I'm sure there are good labor working groups speaking from like my perspective in New York whenever sex work things come up like even citywide it's always expected that like the feminist working group is going to take that not the labor group or Mm -hmm. the labor chapter that like never that's never the option it's always like well you know there's like some article or some something we want about like sex work so like feminist group you'll do that right and it's yeah. like, yes, but also the, there are plenty of the entire membership in DSA that could be doing this. Right. Yep. And that's that's what I've noticed a lot. And so I have somebody who is um, our security person and they um, they are a white man and they I run all my ideas through him if I do want to get them out to the whole membership because I feel like I'm not listened to as much. And he does have a very like, he, he doesn't really come up with his own ideas. He's just right now being a vessel for like my ideas or for people who feel silenced. He's a vessel for their ideas. And so it's, it's really amazing to have him. I love him with my soul. And so it, it is really nice to have, I think a lot of chapters need somebody like, like an appointed somebody to do that. Um, I think that would be just a great idea. And I mean, I should feel comfortable like speaking in all these spaces, but even when I do, you know, it's not always taken um, how it should be. But if it's coming from a white man, it's usually going to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So he helps me with that and I appreciate it deeply. It's well, Shout out to that one white man. Thank you for your service, sir. <laughs> 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 It's, it's super, yeah, it's super appreciated. And that's that's just what he does for like everybody in the group. He's just like, what ideas do you have? Write them down, send them to me. We'll push them at the, I'll push them at the next meeting. I'll get people to vote on it. I'm like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, he's gonna marshal, uh, he's gonna be a marshal at the uh, pride parade for me, um, for the swap, because DSA and swap are marching together. That's awesome. Oh, that's good. It's beautiful. So I got two white man, white men to be the marshals. Awesome. Ah, life is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd use the help of white men as much as I have been lately. Sometimes you well, got to use what tools you have. <laughs> white men are just tools. They're not. <laughs> oh. Shout out to white guys. We appreciate you. <laughs> All of the women currently listening, you're probably okay. <laughs> like if you're listening to this, still, you're you're probably one of the good ones, maybe, but don't repeat that. <laughs> don't tell anybody you heard it here. <laughs> we'll deny, deny, deny. <laughs> what a wild life it is. Yeah, and like, you know, I've been I was on another podcast recently and the, the guy was just like, so do you hate white men? And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not that simple, buddy. I was like, yeah, but chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Be more specific. <laughs> what a stressful question that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I noticed that um, if I didn't have that white man um, on my side, Personally, I would have to go through because we had just started a socialist feminist group. I would have to go through the socialist feminist group to accomplish anything between SWAP and DSA together. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, it's so DSA is so process driven and so worried about little nitpicky things more than more so than like direct action, yeah. which is another critique about DSA. <laughs> Mark that one down too. Uh, down. <laughs> to sort of like 
zoom out a little bit from like DSA and internal stuff. Um, I had a question just sort of about the left more broadly, which is like, what do you wish more people on the left understood about sex work? Hmm. So broad, you were right. Um, <laughs> it's a good question you got there. Um, just that, you know, just because you are leftist doesn't mean you're not whorephobic. Um, especially, it's it's been so deeply internalized, so deeply internalized at this point to where we need to start putting, you know, women that you are sexually, if, if a sex worker, you know, a lot of people are sexually attracted to us and that is fine, but they need to start taking our ideas seriously. They need to know us as somebody who has political knowledge and, you know, things like that will go a really long way because we are um, combined with so many other marginalized groups that when they're pushing our voices to the back, they're pushing a lot of other groups' voices to the back as well. Mm. So they need to know that, like, to the sit down and shut up rule, they need to learn that puppy real good. That's And then also that I've dealt with a lot of, like, abolitionists who claim to be socialists. And they're fucking terrible people, obviously. But I've had to explain to them, like, hey, we don't need saviors. They're, they have such a savior complex, especially white men on the left have a really big savior complex. And it's it's rooted in, you know, performative activism. And so they need to know that, like, we don't need that unless we are explicitly asking for it. Mm-hmm. And when we ask, we're probably not going to ask white men. And... <laughs> They just need to realize that that there are there are plenty of groups who are here to uplift and empower and help sex workers when they need help. And if they actually like are the woke type of people they they portray on Twitter, then they need to be uplifting those groups. Right. That's what yeah. I got. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up abolitionism. I think um, a question. I did not think of previously, but now would like to go into since we're talking about the elections and the candidates are going to be coming out with different like Kamala Harris had hers like they will be saying some things about sex work. We're not going to like them, Um, but I thought maybe it would be good if we could kind of break down like what the Nordic model essentially, which is what Kamala Harris was vibing for is is what um, and what abolitionism looks like and what decrim looks like so people can maybe understand how to like interpret the policies that are going to be coming out. Yeah, so like the Nordic model, bad. It is, yes. <laughs> it is a horrible thing. Um, it criminalizes the people who purchase sex work. Therefore, it does make sex work still illegal, right. still, a, you know, behind the scenes type of thing going on. It's not it's not a real it makes it seem like it's not a real profession still. And so it doesn't help anybody. It just continues to put us in dangerous, unsafe situations. And um, I don't know if anybody else had pushed for the Nordic model other than Kamala Harris, but I know she still hates sex workers. Jeremy so. Corbyn. Which oh, we did talk about on our World Prostitutes episode because they are based in the UK. Oh, the UK. Wild place. Wild, wild. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jerome was like confused. He was like, I heard it somewhere. It sounded good. And then people were like, no. <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> they were like, so, maybe, uh-uh. Yeah. So I'm willing to maybe give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. He was just like, I heard it somewhere. I, I thought it was right. And people were like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. And I've, I've seen that a lot. Like somebody on um, like a Facebook page was just like, I'm a socialist or I'm an anarchist, I'm a communist, whatever, but I believe sex work is wrong. It exploits women. It exploits. And I was like, okay, one, everyone who is involved in sex work does not identify as women. Just get that narrative out of your brain because when you are just saying that it's women, you're, you already have a picture of what these women look like in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to like, that's gross. And so they were just like, it exploits people. It's, you know, nobody who goes into it is doing it willingly. And everybody who is in it wants to escape. And that is not, um, that is a dangerous narrative to just keep pushing. Because it just still makes us full. I mean, I'm not full of any shame about being a whore. Um, Never have, never will. But it, it does make us seem 
it puts us in the background. And, right. you know, it's, it's important that we are in the front of our own conversations, conversations regarding us. And I, the elections are going to be, they're not going to be about us. You know, no one's going to care about sex workers when it comes time to get Donald Trump out of the White House. We're not going to be the first thing on right. everybody's mind. And it, it sucks and it's sad, but, you know, I guess it's necessary. <laughs> right. Old fuck out of the fucking White House. Yeah. What about going back to um, abolitionists, which I keep bringing up because I'm realizing that someone asked me about this recently. So I think it would be a good thing to clarify. Um, so even amongst people that are not like pro electoral politics, people have this idea that, like, oh, after the revolution comes like sex work inevitably be abolished we won't need it anymore there won't be demand um, um so i kind of wanted to talk about like that school of thought as well and why that's not great yeah people think that just because they're they're making it seem like there's not a demand for something there's always going to be a demand for you know sluts <laughs> there's always going to be a demand as long as i am alive there's going to be a demand for it baby and so <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a demand for it, baby. There's gonna be a demand for it, baby. <laughs> if I can help There's it. That, that southern twang. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's such a dangerous narrative to keep pushing because even, you know, we there's a revolution, we abolish prisons, we abolish all these things. Right. Men are still gonna wanna go to strip clubs. Strip clubs are just still fun. People are still gonna wanna have sex. Some people are too ugly to have sex. They're going to pay for it. Hot take. <laughs> this is the hot take caucus. And so it's it's so it's so stupid to just think that like, oh, you know, it, it pushes the idea that people are above sex work. Mm. That's that is what it's doing. And it's still putting us at just a risk of putting us at a, like a lower level. People are still pitying us. And that's not what respecting sex workers is about. If you're pitying us and you feel sorry for us for doing our job, you don't respect us. Right. Period. And so, yeah, just abolitionists need to also choke. I hope they hear this as well. <laughs> I tell everybody to choke on here. God. I'm here for it. I mean, like, it's great. Stan a good yeah. choke sesh. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and then do we want to talk about going in a different direction than I expected? I know. I don't mean, I, I didn't mean I for it, it to get all like this, but I was like, you know, I'm here for it. So and then we should also like talk about why decriminalization is important. Yes, good call. Ah, yes. Um well, I mean there's so many reasons that it is important. Um just to keep sex workers safe at their jobs and everything. Like we have so many regulations and rules at strip clubs that do put us in a lot of danger um, from customers, uh, mostly from law enforcement. Yeah. Um, you know, we can get arrested for prostitution for not wearing our bottoms correctly, for not wearing shoes. And so um, those things, you know, we're gonna, we, we just go straight to jail. Those are things that some people can't afford, you know, a child, they, they have children, things like they have families, things like that, and they're working to provide for it. And that just, you know, is gross. They're just going to end up in jail and they're going to be convicted for and put away for prostitution for such little minute things. Yeah. And so decriminalization would like prevent that from happening, but also it's, it's about our physical health. Yeah. You know, we would be able to go to doctors regularly and we wouldn't be turned away because a lot of us are turned away because of our job. We would be, we would have access to housing. It, it's, you know, it's a healthcare issue. It's a housing issue. It's all these, it intersects mm -hmm. in so many ways. And so just to keep like our bodies safe and our families safe, it's a reproductive rights issue. You know, it's just the way it intersects is, is so broad at this point. So where decriminalization is the only way to keep us safe totally. Yeah. And it, it, for people that like, I mean, you know, not that 
not endorsing this viewpoint at all, but for people who like don't give a shit about like people who do sex work voluntarily, but like, you know, are crying themselves to sleep at night about um, the idea of like sex trafficking, which is like way less of um, an issue than like trafficking for um, labor in other arenas, like farm workers in particular in the United States. But anyway, if that's what you're really, really worried (laughs) about is, is sex trafficking, then like decrim is also, you decriminalize voluntary sex work and it's a lot easier to handle the issue of involuntary sex work. Exactly. And when I was at the DA's office, because I got asked to be on a human trafficking coalition by former council, she's not former, she never got elected. She tried. She ran 10 times, poor lady. Um, Her name is Maria Perez, and she is wonderful, but she runs the human trafficking coalition here because she was trafficked 30 years ago. And she said, she said it was important to have a sex worker's take on it because it is completely two different worlds and when they overlap is that was kind of my my um, job in that coalition is to figure out why they are overlapping mm-hmm. and so and she knows now that like decriminalizing would prevent an alternative route for you know people who are looking to buy people on the internet in very dangerous situations you know right. it would it would prevent a lot of that a lot of the scary stuff going on. Yeah, and trafficking also, um, like, policy-wise has a lot more to do with immigration. Like, a main reason that people do get sex trafficked is because they're vulnerable, because they're in a, you know, place that is, that they're trying to escape from, and they're offered this, like, deal of, I'll take you to the U.S. or to wherever, and, like, you know, you'll work for me. Right. Like sex trafficking would be one thing that hopefully would stop after the revolution because everyone's needs would be met. And so they wouldn't be like swindled into a situation where they're taken away. Of course, like there will still be evil people after the revolution and might do some fucked up shit, but it's not like, it's not the same fucking thing, right? Like that's something that actually is based in the inequalities rooted in capitalism. Um, Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, what we're talking about isn't I mean it is on some level like some people are pushed into sex work because of different economic situations but it's not the same in terms of like it wouldn't exist right like sex trafficking hopefully wouldn't exist because hopefully borders wouldn't exist and also like a bunch of other things wouldn't exist so right and like yeah I yeah it should be better after the revolution everything should be better after the revolution but it's not going to be gone (laughs) right if people's material needs are provided for then you remove the like the sense of scarcity that drives people into work that they don't want to do and sex like sex work would be performed by people who like enjoy it yeah yeah yeah, that's an autonomy thing yeah people are doing it because they want to do it when i was you know, 18 is when I started, I had just, the week I turned 18 is when I started doing it, but I did it because I wanted to do it. And I see a lot of people, especially like girls at the clubs that I work at doing it because they have to do it now. But when they started doing it, it was because they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was um, an empowering thing to them. I mean, it's still an empowering thing to me. And I mean, I feel good, you know, and I'm going to keep doing it even after the revolution. Who knows when that's happening? Hopefully, <laughs> soon. I'm yeah. still gonna be busting it down. Yeah. <laughs> also, for all the Marx heads out there, um, Marx's idea for post-revolution is people would do, like, contribute the jobs that are necessary for society to keep society running, and sex is a uh, is necessary for society. So, thank you all. This oh, has yes been <laughs> this has been Marx interpretations by Zoe. Um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so we're almost at the end of our time, but something else I wanted to talk about um, is harm reduction uh, and thinking about that framework, especially given that obviously under our current administration, there's a lot of harm being done to sex workers. Uh, there will still be a lot of harm done no matter whom takes office ne- next. 
Um, so when I was living in DC and I brought this up on the podcast before I worked for HIPS, which is a harm reduction, um, outreach program for drug users and sex workers. And we had all sorts of different programs. There were like needle exchanges, clean condoms, um, access to STD testing, providing warm food. We had like a hotline for people to, um, call in and talk to like lawyers or policy people, which is not what I did. Um, I was doing more of the like just direct service kind of stuff. But so, um, and I know you're also involved in a sex work outreach program. So I just wanted to talk about like how how harm reduction functions now and how to like continue to focus on harm reduction regardless of whomst will be our next head of state. Disgusting. But (laughs) you're cracking. But there's not such a there. There's some programs here in San Antonio that do do focus. harm reduction um they're mostly a lot of like rehabilitation type places nobody's too focused on harm reduction i'm very focused on it because i had problems with addiction in the past and Mm -hmm. so for me it is extremely important for not only people to get the help that they need but to get the resources that they need to continue living the life that they want to live right as in the safest way as possible no matter what that life is And so what I I mean, I work with um, Texas Wears Condoms as well, and they give me, how many did they give me? They gave me 3,000 condoms last week to distribute at local clubs. And so I've been, I've been doing that lately. Um, They, as they tell me, they're like, hey, if you ever need like a sex worker and they reach out to me, you know, let me know and we'll send you them a box of a thousand condoms for free. Damn. They're so awesome. They're wonderful about it. Um, But we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have enough clinics here who will provide free STD tests, um, you know, things that sex workers do. Mm -hmm. No uh, needle exchange programs here. And I I have a friend who is doing that on her own, though, is providing clean needles to anybody who needs them. So it is a very, like, individual organizing thing. It is Mm -hmm. not... It's not a community organizing thing at this point, but I would like to see it get to a community organizing thing within the next year or so. Um, but it's, it's just so hard because we are so heavily policed in San Antonio, in Texas, really. So it, it's just really scary here. The risk of you know going to jail is extremely high yeah. for me, at least. And you know, I'm down with it. If it happens, it happens. Uh, you know, wear my mugshot on a shirt. It'll be fun. I so. will wear your mugshot on a shirt. Like, I'm ready to do that. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. I'm sure it'll happen in the next six months. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll help your Kickstarter campaign to get you bailed out. So, <laughs> just someone started now, so we're prepared. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, there's, there's not a. There's not a. There's a definite like need for harm reduction um with like addiction issues wise we need that here in san antonio but it's not happening unless myself or another individual personally takes it upon themselves and commits all their time to it yeah michaela are you running the city of san antonio i will be soon (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you run every group there i'm trying that's my actual goal that's amazing (laughs) I'm infiltrating slowly but surely. Yes. Well, so we're done with all of our main questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out? Hmm. Somebody hire me somewhere, please. I need a I need a job. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. You you if you have the ability, hire her. <laughs> hire me. I want to be a cool organizer person. I don't give a shit where. I just want to well, I mean, I'd like to do it here because my community is extremely important to me. But also We'll travel for a job. (laughs) We'll travel. We'll bust it down. Yes. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Michaela. This was hilarious and amazing. And I'm like pretty freaking stoked about it. Yay. I love you. Love you. Wow. Is that the first time that said they loved us? I think it is. And I'm so glad. Like, honestly, love you. (laughs) I love this for us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, that was um, 
full of choking <laughs> references that I did not expect. Um, nonetheless, very much enjoyed that interview. So, um, <laughs> as always, you can uh, find us online at Season of the Bee on um, Instagram and Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, um, although we're kind of migrating away from that. That's on me as the social media manager, but also Facebook is terrible. Yo, fuck Facebook. Yeah. So sorry if that's where you follow us. Um, no apologies. Don't follow us on there. Follow us on Twitter. It's way more fun. Yeah, but follow us on both, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> follow us everywhere you can, even if we're not posting. Make Yeah, make an account. Um, you can find us on Friendster. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> Napster. No, Napster. <laughs> LimeWire. Um, LimeJournal. Okay. Zanga. MySpace. <laughs> Oh, what's that bathroom stall or whatever? Oh my god! Do you guys play? Okay, I'm so sorry. We've gone too deep into the internet now, and I don't know what we're talking about anymore. But you can find us in a lot of places. Um, you can definitely find us on iTunes. We would love if you left a nice, kind review. It helps more people find us, um, and it makes us happy. Finally, the last place you can find us is patreon.com. Send us some money and uh, we will read your chart um, and read you for filth, as the children say. Um, We have a lot of Patreon stuff coming out just for subscribers. We're really amping that up. Um, So you don't want to miss out. Did I forget anything? No, you crushed Um, it. You can choke us, but with consent only. No one will be choking me. I just want to put that out there. Also, no one will Um, be choking me, but that's fine. Okay, never mind. You can choke me with consent. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I guess I would have to, like, really, it would, I mean, like, there might be a circumstance where I would be okay with it, but you definitely will not be a man. Let's put it that way. I... Just know that if anybody tries to choke me, they will probably end up dead at my hands. Um, I, I, so yes, I well, would, so it won't be consensual. Duh. No, no, exactly. no, and neither will your death. Um, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day. This has been so murdery. Okay, none of us are murderers. <laughs> listen to our our podcast and listen to extra stuff on Patreon. I'm going to go ahead and cut us off Rachel, before we <laughs> further incriminate ourselves. <laughs> Best outro ever. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>